Are you ready, Christine? Mm-hmm. Are you ready, Ma? I actually am. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. Oh, holiday time? Mm-hmm. When a department store clerk hears a young boy's wish for a model train set, which his widowed young mother cannot afford, he purchases the train for the boy, even though he can't afford it either. This begins a chain of comic mishaps. This week we are doing Holiday Affair, 1949. Probably haven't heard of this one, people. I never have heard of it. I hadn't either. It comes up and it, uh, in my research, it said it didn't do well at the box office. But since with Turner Classic Movies putting it on... um, if this holiday season, uh, I mean, all the holiday seasons, it's become a bit of a cult, classic. A bit of a, a minor cult classic. Minor cult I thought classic. it was much better than some of the holiday classics that I've seen. Yes. Me too. Yes. I was, you know, I, if you remember last week when I was announced it, I was like, guys, I don't like, I don't know. I've never heard of this film and it's got Robert Mitchum and Janet Lee in it and it's a holiday movie. So I don't, and it's called Holiday Affair. I was just a, ready to apologize right then and there, but I watched it and it kept my, it kept my interest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are, are we-, we are ready for your particulars. The particulars. Holiday Affair, it was released, its wide release nationwide was on December 24th, 1949. Well, exactly. Maybe that's why it was not I mean, that's the end of the holiday. I mean, Christmas it, is over. Yeah, and it had its, it had its uh, New York premiere, I think, November, late November of that oh, time, okay. 1949. Well, they're dummies. That's why it didn't do well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. Bunch of schmucks. What, what did yeah. you do it? Um, it's produced and directed by Don Hartman, who also did It Had to Be You, Every Girl Should Be Married. Ouch. Oh, get out of here. And a movie that I, I need to see because I'm very intrigued by this because um, I think it came out in the 50s. It's called It's a Big Country, colon, an American anthology. And, and mm-hmm. I looked at the cast and I'm like, Okay, so it's it's just that America, I guess. Very, <laughs> very interesting. That that could be a very interesting. Maybe you hurt our tummies, but maybe not. Um, he also wrote with Stephen Morehouse Avery the screenplay for 1935's *The Gay Deception*, and that was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Story. The screenplay is by Isobel Lenart. She's a Brooklyn native. She moved to Hollywood and she started working in the MGM mailroom when she was fired after she attempted to organize a union. <gasps> wow, I like her. Yeah. What's her name again? Isob- Isobel Lennart, I S O B E L L E N N A R T. Oh, Leonard. Brooklyn well representing. Well done, I know. I thought Sorry that was fired. It's hilarious. She's in the MGM mailroom and she's like, union, union. <laughs> um, in 1939, she joined the Communist Party. But five years later, she left. 
1947, she had to, she testified in front of the House of Un-American Activities Committee, and she later super regretted that. Oh, bad. But that's the, that's one of those things where it's easy to say what you would have done, yeah. and it's easy to say what should be done, but when you're in that position and all the different pressures and... You're talking about finances and how you're going to feed yourself and friends. She also wrote Anchors Away. It happened in Brooklyn. Don't Eat the Daisies. And was nominated for an Oscar for The Sundowns. It's based on The Christmas Gift, which is a story. Or I also saw it's a novella called The Man Who Played Santa Claus. Either way, it's by John D. Weaver. And more on him later. Okay. The music is by Roy Webb, who also did Bringing Up Baby. He also did My Favorite Wife, I Married a Witch, which that made me laugh. And he wrote the fight song for Columbia University, Roar, Lion, Roar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was his alma mater, so smarty pants. Director of photography is Milton R. Krauser. He did Three Coins in the Fountain, which won the Academy Award he did for that. He also did An Affair to Remember, which we did, and Mm -hmm. All About Eve, um, The Seven Year Itch, and Bus Stop, to name a few more. He did a bunch of films. It was edited by Harry Marker, who also did The Bells of St. Mary, A Bill of Divorcement, and The Spinal Staircase, to name a few. The Stars, starring Robert Mitchum as Steve Mason. He was in 1955's The Night of the Hunter, which we did. Yes. 1962's Cape Fear. He was very scary. And he was also that same year in The Longest Day. So this is our fourth movie that we've done with Robert Mitchum. He is the 20, number 23 on AFI's 50 U.S. film legends of all time. And he was also in a movie called The Story of G.I. Joe, which I was like, hmm, interesting. Um, okay, nerd alert. In September 1948, Robert Mitchum was arrested along with actress Lila Leeds for possession of marijuana. Oh, I wondered what he was arrested for. It was the result of a sting operation, and he spent 43 days at a Kaseyak prison farm, and life pictures took photos of him in his prison uniform mopping the floor. So basically, it was the equivalent of today, TMZ, has him in prison mopping floors. So everybody knew about it because wasn't Life magazine the magazine? Yeah, oh yeah. So before this movie comes out, this guy's been in jail for possession of marijuana. And he was a big star already at the time. Um, his in January 31st, 1951, so that's after this movie comes out, a couple years, his conviction was overturned after it was exposed as a setup. So, wow. Interesting. Janet Lee plays Connie Ennis. So we know Janet Lee from Psycho. That was in 1960. So well after this. And then in Harper, which we also did in 1966. She's also famous for 1958's Touch of Evil and also The Manchurian Candidate. 
And remember, mm. Janet Lee was discovered by Norma Shear after Norma Shear saw a picture of her at a ski lodge. Almost like oh, right. That woman. So this She's is... A, yeah, a picture of, like, young Janet Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And this is pretty young Janet Lee because mm-hmm. she's... Uh, this is... Even though this is no by no means her first film, um, this in it's early in her career. Mm-hmm. Wendell Corey played Carl Davis. He was also in The Accused, Rich, Young, and Pretty, and The Big Knife. He was also the president of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. And in 1966, he ran but did not get into Congress. He was in a lot of 60s TV, too, I think. Yeah. He just had one of those faces. Yeah. Gordon Gebert or Gebert. I, I don't know how it's pronounced. Oui, oui, oui. <laughs> he played Timmy Ennis. He was oh. also in The Flame and The Arrow and various television shows like The Donna Reed Show. He was also in the movie adaptation of Audie Murphy's uh, book, To Hell and Back, which Audie Murphy, I guess, starred in. So I'm definitely going to do that at one point because I've read the book. He played the young Audie Murphy. And Audie Murphy he... is a World War II hero. Yes. Um, okay, well, more on the little boy. I liked him a lot. I know. Dee Dee stepped away, but I wanted her to hear this because he's an architect that lives in Manhattan and he has degrees from USC, MIT, and Princeton. Holy crap. So she, she could have like walked pa- past him and not even known it. She might. She or cycled past him. Maybe. And we have Harry Morgan. He was the police lieutenant. And I was he like, was. I was like, that's the dude from MASH. Oh, my gosh. He was in Dragnet, High yes, Noon, Inherit the Wind, and the Oxbow Incident. Teeny, um, the guy that played Timmy, he's an architect that lives in Manhattan. And he has degrees from USC, MIT, and Princeton. Oh. So that's what he grew up to be. And you could have seen him and not even known it. This was this is only film. Um, no, no he was in he TV. Was in, and... Yeah, he was in a bunch of like TV stuff and basically. Yeah, but he this cut it as an actor. Well, he was a, he was probably too smart to be. He, he oh. obviously had uh, more higher yeah, aspirations. Higher, yeah, he, his he got t- better for me because he really got on my nerves in the beginning. Well, we'll discuss later. Okay, because I have questions about... Well, I'll save it. Um. Oh, that's it. That's the particulars. Outstanding. This is a black and white film, and we see a train set um, with the train going round and round, and it says Palm Springs. Palm Springs, I think. Yeah. Is the, is the depot, but there's snow. Yeah, and I was like, okay. Okay, I guess this is why I've never heard of this film. (laughs) And um, we it it, that was running through the credits and it pans out that we see it's a train set in a department store. And Robert Mitchum is a store clerk. There's a Santa there. Um, 
eh, something happens with him, nothing big deal. Janet Lee, um, there, there's a whole line of children looking at the train set and wanting to talk to Robert Mitchum about it. And Janet Lee just pushes her way up to the front and says she wants to buy one. And Robert Mitchum goes, well, let me tell you about it. She says, I don't care. I just want to buy it. Here's the $79.50 plus tax. Oh, it was $79? It didn't seem that odd to me. That it was $79? No, that she knew, I, like, that she didn't. That she was just like, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if I could have bought that, I guess we'll get into it. But maybe if she was buying a vacuum cleaner or... I, I just thought it was a little air in the story that they went with, but okay. Did you do the, the research for how much that would be today? I, I did. I, I did, did it for, okay, because I did it for $89. So I oh. I misread what it, or misread yeah, what it was. It was 79 I think. Oh. It was seventy nine fifty plus tax. Okay, so, so what is that? Eight hundred and forty-two dollars thirty-six cents. Yes, oh, Jesus. that's, that's inflation. So outrageously expensive. Um, then Janet Lee goes to use the phone, and we find out she's a price checker. Um, we don't know yet that that's an illegal activity. Well, we I think we would have known in if we were watching this in December twenty fourth, nineteen forty nine. I think we would have been like, "Oh, she's a comparison shopper." Ooh. Yeah, I guess that was a no no at the time. I don't think it was. Well, she, it wasn't illegal, but it was frowned upon. They they thought of it as corporate espionage, which made me yeah. laugh. I was like, "Oh, you guys have no idea." And they can, uh, and they can then ban her from ever coming in the store again for having been a price checker okay um she has this huge box that she's taking home and her son timmy is there he looks at the box he's so excited because he thinks it's his christmas present and um she makes him pledge that he will do no peeking at the presents in this closet and she has a closet of presents okay um and he promises. Which, like, and what, mom? Oh, I guess you know. She, um, she like, says, I knew, like, I knew my mom kept the presents in her closet, but, like, and she knew it, but we didn't talk about it. Oh, it was weird that she was like, don't look at any of your presents in the closet. I had this whole... Because... Did you ever? Oh, my God, yes. <gasps> I had closet. One time I, I unwrapped too. my presents oh! and them. Oh, my God. That yeah. one year she used Spice Girls wrapping paper that I could see through, so I knew what everything was. Christine, do you know what my mom did? Because the answer to my question is no, because she told me, <laughs> which I thank you, but she told me that one of her worst Christmases, her worst Christmas ever was when she went snooping and found the presents. And she told me this when I was like five years old. She that she went snooping, found the presents, and it was the worst Christmas ever. So now, to this day, even earlier, before we were recording, my dad came on and was talking about something he was going to send you. And I go, oh, my gosh, can she hear? Are you going to say something? Because when I go home, if my, if they're, if my mom's like, go get this for me, I'm like, I stop and I go, can I? Is it okay? Like, uh, once October hits, I do not open car trunks. 
I <laughs> I refuse car trunks. I become super paranoid because I don't want to know at all. I don't want to ruin Christmas. I don't want to ruin Christmas. I mean, I don't want to now. Right, right. No, we. my brother and I used to do it when my sister had her Christmas concerts at school because they used to take me, but every time they took me, I would throw up. <laughs> I think I got overheated every time. <laughs> so they started leaving me home with my brothers. So that's when we would snoop and Chandler, Chandler used to throw up when he was hot too. <laughs> Chandler and I like like spirits. Did okay. you just throw did you just go do the head down and just in your lap? <laughs> I don't know. I I threw up a lot. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I okay. Well, Timmy tells his mother the teacher said to wish for anything, and the mother has some quote I'm sure one of you has it about, uh, you know, wish for reasonable things or else you're gonna just be disappointed. Well, given her background, it's <laughs> I kind of understand where she's coming from. A man arrives, Carl arrives, he's gonna stay for dinner. Um, so Timmy does peek and he sees the train set and he's really excited, even though she's already told him it's not for him. Um, Timmy goes to bed. It's a really nice apartment for New York City, I thought, for a young single mother. Yeah, they had their own bathroom and stuff. Like usually what, what remember a raisin was it a raisin in the sun? Raisin in the sun. Where they yeah. you have to go share the bathroom with be everybody. Remember the one in Berlin? Yeah. I don't. I don't. You don't remember the naked man in the bathroom? I didn't see the naked man. I remember oh, I, I was you... almost dying from blood loss because I had oh, the true. worst nosebleed ever and just clots okay. were just coming out of my nose. Okay. 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 Maybe we don't oh, need no. to go into quite that much detail. They live, I mean, they're a part, they live on the Upper East Side. Like, three blocks from central park yeah mm -hmm. so okay um timmy goes but to bed i and think that the the um the father who is the deceased worked in the war right because she's a war widow i think that his he his family may have come from money because the grandparents come. Oh, yeah. She's got quite a dress on. Yeah. Grandma. So maybe, like, she was okay. getting help. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Carl and Connie, the mom, are sitting on the couch. And he says, marry me and I'll buy you a dishwasher. And she goes, you know, Carl, I just don't feel that way. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. I'll give you a little more time. And um, okay, she says, doesn't just say marry me and I'll buy you a dishwasher. He said, he said, and it'll be a oh, marry me and I'll buy you a dishwasher, a cute little French one with a tight skirt. Yes, he did sign say. number one that I hated, Carl. <laughs> yes, yes. Wait, so is he married? Is he gonna buy her a maid, or is he like that? Was it would be a dishwasher and they would put a skirt on it? I, I was confused of these times. I because were there electric 
dishwashers at that time? I don't even there know. There had to be. He said he was going to. Oh, or is, I don't know. Look at us. Yeah. Well, she says, um, uh, in within two years, I'll let you know. And hey, Carl, um, I will ask you when I'm ready. Well, yeah, he's been asking her for two years. He's he's been. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I've asked you for like for the past two years. And she finally puts it down. She's like, well, look, Carl, how about I'll ask you when I'm ready? Mm-hmm. And Carl's like, well, I've already put in two years of this. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, so the, is it that night or the next morning when she's talking to Timmy? And she says, you like Carl, right? Because he, he just asked me to marry him. And Timmy's like, I like us the way we are. No changes. Reminded me of somebody I know. <clears throat> if you marry him, you won't be Mrs. Ennis anymore. Because she would always call him Mr. Ennis. And, and he would always call his mom Mrs. Ennis. Uh, okay, next day, she's back at the store to return the train set. And Robert Mitchum knows why she bought the train. Because she's a you know price checker. A comparison shopper. And he got fired for, um, he takes it back, even though he's not supposed to. Well, she and gives then, him the whole spiel about, like, yeah, like, oh, because he says, I made you. Look at me. I'm Robert Mitchum. I know these things. And I know that you're. I was in a, jail. Yeah. I, <laughs> I smoke the wacky tobacco. So he, he, he pins her. He's like, I got you. And. She says, look, I'm trying to support my son. I lost my husband in the war. And as soon as she says that, Robert Mitchum's character, Steve, you know that he, because it's the times and he's an able-bodied man, so you know that he was in the war. Mm -hmm. So instantly he's, you know, feels bad and has, and it's like, all right, I'm not gonna gonna turn you in. I'm going to give you the refund. And, of course, his boss happens to overhear it. And so once she leaves, once Connie leaves, he gets the old kaboot. Which his boss, well, and he was talking about having floor walkers. And I was like, damn, the store has a lot of payroll. Yeah. (laughs) So many people working there doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, Connie goes to the suit department to buy... Men's slung underwear, it appeared. Mm-hmm. And they only had him in extra, extra large. And Robert Mitchum shows up. And so the clerk assumes they're for him. And it's a, a whole thing ensues. But he tells her that he got fired, but um, let's go to lunch. Um, and he says, we can only, oh, she says, let me take you to lunch at least because I got you fired. And he says, okay, but it's my pick and my treat. So he takes her to the zoo in front of the seals. They have hot dogs, a hot dog lunch at the zoo. That's where Robert Mitchum tells her (laughs) he wants to build boats. And we hear his backstory. And then the rest of the afternoon, he helps her be a comparison shopper because you don't suspect a couple of being comparison shoppers. They get separated in a crowd. Um, She gets back to the apartment without him. 
And Timmy and Carl are decorating the tree. Ma, are you going to? Because as soon as I saw the tree and what were in her hands, I made a note. It was like, Ma is going to snob out on this? First of all, (laughs) there were ornaments on the tree before the lights were being put on the tree. How is that even possible? And where were their alcoholic beverages? Because everybody knows you got to... You got to provide the parent with the alcoholic beverage before they put on the lights. Putting those freaking lights on that freaking tree. I hate it. But it has to be done appropriately. Yeah. It will have to be redone. You hate it, but no one else can do it. (laughs) (laughs) To my satisfaction. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I lost my place. Um. And I was surprised that they were decorating the tree without her you know, being there to approve. But okay, okay. Um, I don't know. When our, my mom makes my dad put the lights on the tree. And then she'll take out all of the ornaments and put them on the counter. And then it takes like four days. And then it's like, you get in trouble if you don't. It's like. Uh, you got to put ornaments on the tree. Somebody's got to do it. She doesn't want to do it. You get in trouble if you don't put it on there. Does she have a rule about the the size of the ornaments and where they go on the tree? No, she has a rule about the NASCAR ornaments. And they <laughs> have to go on the back of the tree that faces the wall. Yes. Ma has oh. a whole bunch of, of, no, that needs to go on the back. Uh-huh, which is, Yeah, we have a lot of those rules, too. Yes. Did you ever? Yeah, but, but, oh, we have a fun tree and a nice tree. And the fancy ornaments go on the nice tree with the white lights in the window. Oh, white light. White light. Well, my, you know, we've already discussed this. You do not live in a white light family. We are, well, a, we are a colored lights family. But no, the other tree has colored lights and the fun ornaments. Mm-hmm. Well, we trees. just have one tree where we have the, we have them all. And I mean, Erin, that's a very bold statement because I'll tell you somebody that likes the white lights and he lives in my house. Yeah. I have to fight for the colored lights. I, I know, look where he look where he got it from. I've never been allowed to have white Ex- lights. Exactly because you live in a colored lights family, and that's and why. You're, and you're the reason that he, uh, now I have to have white lights. Oh, you don't have to have cut white lights. You don't have to. You can have colored lights. You can have every other year. Okay. But we do have colored lights now. Ah, there see? Because colored lights matter. <laughs> <laughs> also, the size of the ornament. I mean, oh, the little this branches. This is my favorite. Ornaments. The medium branches get medium ornaments. The big branches get the big ornaments. It just makes sense symmetrically. So you know what I do every year? is I I always take a big-ass ornament and I'll just plant and see how long it takes for her to realize that there's a big-ass ornament at the top. Not very long. And then I cackle. Then she'll put some back-of-the-tree ornaments on the front of the tree. Mm Mm-hmm. like we my grandma's tree has an ornament that we have to find every year this ugly purple ball i think we every year when we would go over we'd all have to find it 
And so my dad and I thought it would be funny one year to steal it. And we got no, she didn't think it was fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got in trouble. I think that that's really hilarious, but yeah. Well, that's kind of the, the German tradition of the pickle. Wouldn't there be a yeah, pickle in like the, the tree? Pickle. Yeah. We have yeah. a pickle. I think we have a pickle. Yeah, we but but I bought them here. It was never something from. I mean, we were in Germany for six years. I never saw a freaking pickle at the Christmas market. I'm just saying. Okay, so um, they're decorating the tree. Blah da blah da blah da. Um, he's gonna take her out to dinner. They have a, a pretty platonic kiss. Um, Timing is not impressed. Uh, she tells Timmy to go put on his suit for dinner. This little kid had to wear suits all the time. Yeah. Just when they sit down and she's about to ask Carl to marry her, the doorbell rings. It's Steve. He comes in with all of the um, comparison shopping stuff they have. There's a lot of banter. There is a lot of awkwardness between steve and carl and she says i'll get us all a drink um steve asks jimmy timmy questions and then timmy starts um talking back to carl he's being kind of rude to carl and what does what does she, what does carl do does he put his hands on timmy uh yeah yeah he talks kind of he like told timmy to go to his room and then he like just touched his shoulder. He didn't really like right. hurt him, but Mama did not like that. Oh no! Take your hands off of my son. Well, Carl gets pissed and he leaves because Carl has because this man Carl has put in two years to try to get this woman to marry him, and he's just put in all of that time, and then this guy comes in. Who they have been comparison shopping, and she never mentioned anything about this fellow, and they have this weird, awkward, you know, sizing man sizing each other up kind of thing. Like, who are you? Because you know, Robert Mitchum thought that he didn't know anything about this Carl, right? So that's right. why he showed up, and he's like, "Who is this guy?" And then Carl's like, "Who is this guy?" And then. When the moment when, because Carl, you know, Timmy mouths off and Carl's like, go to your room trying to assert, like, I am the, you know, I'm the man in this place. And Timmy talks back. And when he puts that, his arm on him and she yells, get your hands off of my son. It's then that Steve, a.k.a. Robert Mitchum's like, I got a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I got a chance. Um. So Timmy has to go to bed with no supper. At this point in my notes, I had to mention what has been mentioned here before. Janet Lee's bra. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember when I talked about going to get my first bra and the lady in the dressing room was saying, my God, I look like I have a Cadillac front. Mm -hmm. That's what she was talking about. Those pointy points. I have a, tasty nugget about that later okay but my god whoo um well so uh robert mitchum says goodbye connie i'm not coming back um i might fall in love with you 
you uh, and then he goes into uh, diagnosing Connie's problem. Connie's problem is, according to Robert Mitchum, that she doesn't want anything to change. She wants to keep she she would marry Carl because she doesn't really love him. So it wouldn't be cheating on her dead husband because if she married him. Um, and she is trying to make Timmy into the image of his father. I thought he was rather bold saying that after knowing her um, total of, what, three hours? But was he, because the first time we meet Timmy, he's referred to as Mr. Ennis. So right off the bat, you're you're just like, oh, and given the time, I just penciled it in myself. Of his father died in the war. He didn't know his dad. That was the love of her life. He, the son looks like a spitting image of his deceased dad that she was completely in love with. And this guy, Carl, he's a lawyer. He makes good money. He'll, he can support them and stuff. Mm -hmm. She doesn't, she doesn't love him, but you know, she's a war widow. She's got to do what she's got to do. And she always is calling Timmy, Mr. Ennis and, making him wear suits and stuff all the time. Well, that's true. You know? I didn't even think about the suit. And thing. so that's what he's saying. He's like, you're trying to make your son into your dead husband. That's a, like, mm, that's kind of weird and stuff. And you're going to marry this guy. Cause then you're still in your mind married to your husband, but he's dead and you're alive. I didn't. Yeah. It was presumptuous, but at the same time, not all, not wrong. And pretty, I would think, widespread, given how many oh, yeah. people died in the war. That it, it wasn't an uncommon situation. Which goes to my theory on why I don't. this movie probably didn't do well when it came out. Well, uh, he tells her to quit trying to hang on to something she lost. And she says, I'm going to marry Carl. And he goes, well, you're going to have a problem with Tim. So may I go say goodbye to Tim? Sure. Go and close the bedroom door, this stranger, and spend some time with my six-year-old boy. No problem. Um, and Timmy says to him, I'm sorry I was bad in there. Um, how did mom get you fired? Uh, so then lines all that. Um, at this point, Robert Mitchum is touching Timmy's Turtle. <laughs> pregnant pause there on purpose. It, and um, it's, it's a, was, it is a turtle. It is a it is a little turtle. Back in the day, uh, my friend Marianne had one um, of the little tiny ones. And but we have since learned they carry salmonella, so you need to go and wash your hands. Remember when salmonella was the most serious thing we had to worry about? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. Okay, so uh, Timmy says sometimes, oh, Robert Mitchum is saying to Timmy, you know, why did you get mad? And sometimes when you get mad, it's about something else, not what you're really lashing out about. Um, and Timmy admits, yeah, I was mad because she took back the train set that I thought was mine, even though she told me it wasn't. And, it, uh, and so... Robert Mitchum says, wish really hard for something and you might get it. And um, that's what his teacher had told him. <laughs> teacher would be getting so many emails. <laughs> well, Robert Mitchum goes back into the kitchen and, and plants a big one on Connie. 
And she, I felt like she kissed him back. Merry Christmas. Okay. Now it is dinner time with Carl. Carl has sent flowers in a note. The flowers in the note were lovely. And they're talking marriage again. And saying Timmy could be our son. Yes, she would let him put hands on Timmy, I guess. <laughs> can um, I beat your son? When he steps out of line, can I beat your son? <laughs> beat them children. Um, and that's where I stopped taking notes. It was uh, almost 40 minutes. That's, that's good. It's a good it's a good I recap. hope we've, we've roped you in because it's a it's a lovely little story. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, so we are to POC count. There is one. There is one. There is one black man. He is. He had a line. He had a line to help little Timmy. He he's is floor, sonny. He's mopping the floor of Crowley's department store. And by his age, I assumed he was probably in the war as well. Probably. He was probably a Tuskegee Airman. He probably deserved to, to be um, many, many accolades. But no, he's just wiping, mopping, mopping the floor. He's probably a pilot. He should be piloting people. He yeah. should be on Pan Am flying people. Yeah. But no, he has to mop a floor. So power of cast. Do you have some power of cast issues to bring up? Oh, I forgot about the power Ooh. of cast. Well, just off the top of my head is just that this is a story of the dominant cast. Yes. Yeah. But she, being a widowed young mother, is low in that dominant cast because for her to be up in the cast, she has to have a husband. Yes. So that is her big... That is... The her her uh, what is it her her quest her battle of am I this is what is suitable for my future it's not necessarily what I I want it's not passion but it will set me up into a good place in society and it will give my son what he needs to be able to to um, succeed and probably be a jerk when he gets older oh yeah okay yeah. nerd alerts oh my nerd alerts okay nerd alerts where are they okay 1949 so harry truman is president he's sworn in this is actually because there was an election in 1948 and if you've ever seen this picture of this guy with this weird grin and he's got these little glasses and he's holding up a newspaper that says Dewey defeats Truman, mm-hmm. that's a famous picture of the time because the newspaper, the Chicago Tribune, said that Dewey, who was the, I guess the Republican guy, was going to win in a landslide. And so they had to, because of a think thing with workers and strikes and you know the times being how it was they had to do all the typeset and so they ran it and when it turned out that president that truman who had taken over once fdr when he died in office he was the vice president and so then this was the first election and they were like there's no way this guy's gonna get elected president and so that's the famous picture because it turns out that he did win the election um death of a salesman that famous play it opened in 1949 world heavyweight champion joe lewis retired um 
It was the 21st Oscars, and the film Hamlet won Best Picture, starring Laurence (laughs) Olivier. South Pacific opened on Broadway. The Teeny and I could sing some songs for you. Gonna wash that man right out of right my hair. Right out of my hair. <laughs> the Republic of Ireland formally becomes a republic, leaving the British Commonwealth. Um, Israel becomes the 59th member of the UN. Siam officially becomes Thailand. Hmm. Oh, Teeny. The inaugural NASCAR Cup Series starts at Charlotte Speedway. There we are, the hometown. Mm -hmm. The Third Man, that film is released. Great film. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner make their (laughs) Warner Brothers cartoon debut. And guess what it's called? It's called Fast and F-U-R-R-Y-O-U-S. Fast and Furious. Really? Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, West Germany and East Germany officially get established. Okay. Jackie Robinson, he wins the National League MVP, and he also testifies in front of the House of Un-Americans Committee to discuss the appeal of communism to black Americans. And apparently... The House of Un-Americans activity was very surprised when Jackie Robinson testified with a ferocity, basically saying, "Um, y'all got to stop being so racist because we ain't going to take it anymore. (laughs) And also when he won the MVP, they people were like, oh, how do you feel about winning the MVP? And instead of being like, wow, this is fantastic. I can't believe it because he integrated baseball in 1947. So this is two years after he integrated baseball, becoming the first black player in Major League Baseball. The stress of that. And he defies everybody, proves that he's awesome, wins the MVP in 1949, And then, you know, they're like, how does it feel to be recognized? And he's like, the sooner I can get out of baseball, the better. And he had talked it over with his wife. And he said, quote, the strain of the last three or four years has done something to me. He ended up continuing to play. But look at the when Jackie Robinson died. He died very young. The stress of being the first black man to play killed him. Plus, he had been an officer in the army and was almost court-martialed, which could have been his ended up with his death for not following the orders of a private on a bus. Wow. Yep. Okay. Remember how I told you that this movie was based on a short story by John mm-hmm. D. Weaver? Yes. Okay, so John D. Weaver had a 65-year writing career. And he wrote all different things in all different publications. He actually wrote the 1974 Encyclopedia Britannica entry about Los Angeles. He has a couple of books about L.A. called Los Angeles, El Pueblo Grande, and Los Angeles, The Enormous Village. But perhaps he is probably most famously known for his book, his 1970 book, The Brownsville Raid. In this book, 
It tells about an incident that happened on August 13th, 1906, around midnight. Shots were fired between Brownsville, Texas, and Fort Brown. In, when the, and 10 minutes later, when the melee was over, one civilian was dead. So angry citizens took to the streets, and they were terrified that their homes were going to be terrorized by these newly arrived soldiers. And so the alarm at Fort Brown went off and sounded off, and the soldiers, you know, they're asleep. They hear the alarm. They think that they're under attack from hostile townspeople. The soldiers were black, and the townspeople were white. And so what ended up happening is despite proclaiming their innocence, 167 black infantrymen of the segregated 25th Infantry Regiment were dismissed without honor, and they didn't even get a trial by Teddy Roosevelt. They're just dishonorably discharged. And so this 1970 book by John D. Weaver, it examined all of the flimsy evidence and was like, what is going on with this? And so the case had remained closed until 1971, when after reading this book, a congressman from Los Angeles, Augustus F. Hawkins, he led to um, the charges to these, you know, to being reopened and showing that they, uh, they were innocent. And so finally, they were honorably discharged and granted full honorably discharged in 1972. But unfortunately, there was only one man who was still alive to get, you know, his propers and be like, no, you weren't dishonorably discharged. You were honorably discharged. And that was Private Dorsey Willis. He was the last one who was still alive. So I was like, wow, this guy wrote a book and it led to a a racial just unjust being justed. Except, yes, except. If you're dishonorably discharged, you can't vote. So all those years, those people couldn't have their say in elections. Well, this was 1906. So all of those years, if if, if they were in the South, even though legally they, were, anyway. they probably yeah. couldn't vote anyway. <laughs> okay. Other nerd alerts? No, that was it. I uh, just... Oh. My I guess they're nerd alerts. Um, I went down a rabbit hole about the Central Park Zoo. Ooh, excellent! But okay, first of all, it is open on Christmas Day, or it used to be, because I was like, how are they just in the zoo on Christmas Day? Um, but I found it funny. So I don't know what I was looking at. I was just Googling the Central Park Zoo and I came across TripAdvisor <laughs> and I started reading some of the reviews of the Central Park Zoo. <laughs> it has a lot of reviews, a lot of reviews, um, like thousand, three thousand one hundred and ninety of them. Wow. Um, so I just thought I would share some of the reviews that I read. Um, disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got around to going, and we were so looking forward to it. We got there at opening time, and we were the only family there without babies or toddlers, which we found interesting. Okay, you're at a zoo. What is it? Right, exactly. We are zoo aficionados and typically visit zoos everywhere we go. We were so disappointed. It was a lovely little zoo, which in about 20 minutes we were done. 
I was like, this bit, she, they're so disappointed, but then it was a lovely little zoo. Yeah. And, and also, you're... a zoo aficionado. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> zoos are, zoos are the things that, like, you love as a little kid because you get to actually see the animals. Right. But then once you get to a certain age and you realize these are animals in cages, that yeah. you kind of change how you well, feel I about it. There's a shocking amount of reviews about how small the cages were, but I'm like, it's a zoo. In okay. Central Park. New York yeah, City. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is a really nice zoo in Central Park. It's on the smaller side, but there are some really neat animals, including snow leopards and red pandas. Mm-hmm. Being a solo traveler, I finished the zoo in around an hour, but took some time just to relax and enjoy the surroundings. Towards the end of the afternoon, they did have to close off part of the zoo because the mother raccoon was getting defensive of her babies. <laughs> <laughs> Turned one of my children vegan. <laughs> Lovely idea, so I thought I'd take my family to the Central Park Zoo. Costly, but the money was not used for the welfare of the animals. There were rats everywhere, all around the animals and outside the cafe. Yummy hot chocolate, but with my feet up off the ground because of the rats. Oh, my God. That's too small of a pool for feeding time. The bears looked depressed, and so did I, looking looking at the feet. My favorites were the penguins, but they smelled so bad it made us feel sick. Such a small enclosure for too many penguins. They even followed me around as I talked to them. I wanted to take them home to my hotel room. The bath was bigger. (laughs) Uh, Went with the mindset of the film Madagascar and was disappointed. Okay, well, that's how you. You set yourself up for that. Okay, so maybe it's my own fault for assuming the zoo would reflect the animals in the film Madagascar. However, there's no lions, hippos, giraffes, or zebra. There is penguins, sea lions, seals, bears, red pandas, monkeys, birds, and a snow leopard. The ranger said the Bronx Zoo would be much better. Um, But then I wanted to talk about the sea lions because they're... Right. Mm -hmm. So there I searched... Trip TripAdvisor online. You could search anything in their comments. It's great. Could watch the sea lions for days. Small zoo, but the sea lions were so entertaining. Only really need a couple of hours to go around the whole zoo, but it was great seeing. Um, awesome experience. Amazing to find animals with this much space in the city. Um, the sea lions are a highlight for me. I'm guessing rescued from somewhere as they performed without prompt. One jumped onto the edge of the pool right in front of me. Really reasonable entry price. And this person, very enjoyable. One of my favorite parts to my New York trip. Moderately priced compared to other zoos I've been to. Awesome views uh, of the red panda and the sea lions. We got so close to the sea lions that one actually sneezed on us. It was awesome. They started a virus. They started coronavirus. (laughs) I was like, wow, it's many people write reviews of this. I, I mean, there should, I can't believe it's still open. It's a zoo in the middle. Yeah. Of yeah. No, do and you, do you think that in 1949 that there was, it was free? You know, you yes. would just walk in and. It's only $12 now. Oh, that's wow. a, that's a bargain for New York city entertainment. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there are many things in Central Park that are still free, so I imagine it was it was free then. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. And you it could just like I. It probably didn't even have hours. You could just. Yeah, I mean that is one of the great um, 
does city planning designing things of a city is just how they made Central Park, how it's so big. And it's like they knew in the future that, that the city was going to be so urban and sprawled. And yet they decided in the middle of this city, we are going to have greenery. See, yeah, yeah. the animals really know. really not hear any, like, any noise mm -hmm. of the, the city. The, you can just go in there and get away from the sprawl and urbanness of such a huge city. It is so impressive and so I nice. Agree. But they, they've kept it and they haven't like, because you could build apartment buildings there and be, oh, you know, yeah, it's prime, prime. I mean, that's prime. And the Manhattan zoo has been estate. open since the 1860s. Wow. And it used, did used to have, it did used to have lion and an elephant. There's a very sad picture of mm. an elephant. Didn't you wonder um, what they did to, to get in the movie to make that seal do that? Like, you're just like... Well, this one review, she says, she th well, a bunch of the reviews talk about how the sea, the sea lions do tricks without being prompted. So, so in the movie, do you think that they shot that on location? I, I Yeah. They, I think they did. Oh, Be oh, I know they did because I saw a picture and, um, uh, I saw a picture of Janet Lee and Robert Mitchum on break at this. <laughs> on break, I believe they did. Sounds like Mac. no, they didn't. Oh my God, they didn't. The location is Hollywood. Yeah, it seemed like that was a whole. Like Warner Brothers thing, and I'm like, what did they do to make that seal be able to do that? Oh yeah, probably something not good. I don't know. I think seals are pretty trainable. They like, are very well, trainable. Tangle yeah, a fish, and they're gonna be. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah, but this uh, is before when now when you look at movies, it says oh, no okay, animals okay. were harmed in the like. Yeah, they're very trainable, but what were their training techniques? I okay. feel like yeah, we're like, not hmm. good. Okay. This is the um, same thing that I wonder with Timmy and his, oh, he conveniently has his two front teeth missing. This is Hollywood. Did they take him out? Did the Warner Brothers say, hey, Timmy, you can have this movie, but we need your front teeth. Come here. Come here, kid. Well, this, is, this is how bad the, new, the Central Park Zoo is. Because I feel like people these days are hip to zoos being bad for animals. You know, like, mm -hmm. yes, it's like yes. A, that's like a new thing. But back in the 60s and 70s, um, fifth, tenants on Fifth Avenue were complaining about how bad it smelled. And um, they found the cages depressing and it was called the Rikers Island for animals. Oh. In the seventies, seventies oh. like, wow. in New York in the seventies was wild. Yeah. yeah, and they're saying Central Park was wild. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that's a negative reheatable. Yeah, <laughs> and then I also was I was trying to find stuff about comparison shoppers because that kind of fascinated me that uh, that was a thing but mm -hmm. it's still a thing mm -hmm. um the average salary these days is only twenty four thousand a year for a comparison shopper so it's not very lucrative um but 
I was reading into it. They usually specialize in one particular type of merchandise, such as furniture, children's clothing. So she was just, she was all over the place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, they act as customers taking note of merchandise that seems to be selling well and examining sale items to see if they match advertising claims. Comparison shoppers write down the price style and identification numbers of the merchandise and may purchase newer, unusual items so that closer study can be made of them. Which is why she had to buy the train because she was like, oh, I have to bring this to the office. They're going to, they have to study it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, at these times, shoppers return or complain. At times, these shoppers return or complain about the merchandise sold at competitors' stores to test the effectiveness of their customer service departments. Rude. Mm-hmm. Um, they also perform functions that do not involve shopping. They study merchandise displays and sales techniques in other stores and compare them with that of their own store. They frequently visit the sales floors and stock rooms of their own store to keep themselves up to date on merchandise stocked and sold. Um, in addition, they're responsible for checking advertising copy for their store to make sure it's accurate and meets legal requirements. So I didn't realize you work for a certain store if you're a comparison shopper i thought it was like there's a comparison shopper company and they Mm -hmm. hire people but it seems like every store hires their own comparison shoppers Mm. but also i was like i mean i guess you had to have them because when they were talking about when macy's opened in the 1800s which how crazy is that um that when they opened their Herald Square location, right where Adam works across the street, they hired comparison shoppers to make sure that they were selling their product at a reasonable price. So that's a good thing. Because you couldn't just, well, I don't know. They just wanted to make sure they were going to be competitive, but you couldn't just look at the internet. Yeah. Right. There's no. Right. Uh, what does anybody use honey i've been hearing about it but i haven't used it uh, it's a browser it's not really that worth it hmm. I haven't. unless they want to advertise and then it is completely well, worth it yeah because oh <laughs> uh, yeah right sponsor us honey um because now there's no such thing as a good deal anymore everybody sells things for the same price yeah mm-hmm and you can just like you're the comparison shopper. You're the one yeah. that right. like, oh, is this gonna be? Is. Yeah, exactly. And that's mine. Excellent. Although when, okay. when she was in the the 40s, like now I guess they can write it down, but because you know people were so competitive, they had to keep all of that in their brains. In the when when if you were doing it in 1949. You know, you would have to just walk in and be like, that shirt has that many buttons on it. Ours doesn't. Noted. Noted. Because they would, mm-hmm. you know, if you were writing it down, they'd be like, hey, you, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, well, that would not have been my forte. We are two reheatables, and we start with our negatives. I've already told you a couple. Of, oh, I've already told you two, three of mine, two of mine. Janet Lee's bra, touching the turtle without washing your hands, putting a stranger alone in a bedroom with your son, <laughs> then Timmy's fingers in the sugar bowl at breakfast. Get yeah. your dusty fingers out of the sugar bowl that everybody's using. 
And then she tells him she doesn't feel that way about him, but Carl still wants to marry her. Those are, those are his turtle fingers in the sugar bowl. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Salmonella. Okay, other negative reheatables? Marry me and I'll buy you a dishwasher. Yeah. A tight skirt. Um, this man trying to forget, trying to get her to marry him after only two years. Um, <laughs> we just have a few of them made for fat men. The fat shaming. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. I put, it's not a negative reheatable. It just doesn't, it's negative because it doesn't happen anymore. White Christmases. It never snows on Christmas. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It didn't really snow last year in New York. Um, well, it was 20. No, that was 19. That was 2019. It wasn't even 2020. Yeah. And those are my negatives. Oh, my negatives... Oh well, this was this first one isn't really a negative reheatable, but I didn't really know where to put it, and that was so. I'm watching this movie in 2020, and I have come to it seeing Janet Lee in Psycho. <laughs> like that's what I associate her with. I'm seeing Robert Mitchum as two serial kill, like I don't know, serial murderers. I've seen him. Uh-huh. The only time I've seen this man is as a murderer. And so that first scene, one of the early scenes where Janet Lee, because she just has these eyebrows that makes her just look so suspicious to me. And I don't know if it's because I'm used to her from Psycho, but she's in she's in the telephone booth and she's calling back to the store. And she does like basically the same thing that she does in Psycho saying, oh, um, yes, I have it. I'm just going to, to go home and take the rest of the day off. And I immediately am just like, this woman is suspicious. I don't know. But I ended up really liking how against type it was for me. And also it made Psycho a better reheatable because, oh, people were used to her in these kinds of roles where she's, you know, the war widow. And then to see her get murdered through Psycho, no wonder that was so, you know, we talked about it, but actually seeing it and kind of pinpointing it. And then Robert Mitchum, I'm the whole time I'm like, this guy's gonna murder you. This guy's gonna murder you. <laughs> and he doesn't. So I kind of like the extra tension in it. I, you know, they're not who usually gets cast in these roles. So it it made it more entertaining to me. Um, I think that this movie wasn't. A, maybe it wasn't such a big success because in 1949. You know, you had a bunch of war widows, and how keen are they to go? There, Robert Mitchum's not walking through that door, Timmy. You know, <laughs> not only aren't you getting an eight hundred dollar train set, yeah. Robert Mitchum will be your new daddy. Like, what? That's not. How, I'm not. No, I'm not taking my kid, and I'm not going to see that. Um, I already mentioned the snooping for presents, the comparison shopping. You mentioned allowing a stranger. I would like to add allowing a stranger who worked at a toy department in a department store to be alone Ooh. with your son. Add another layer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm. um, okay, how about Timmy? Oh, when Timmy outs his mother to his the, her in-laws, saying yeah. that she went to the hotel room of another man. Yeah. Oh man, Timmy. 
Janet Lee's surprise eyes were, that was a good one. Like, um, okay. The, speaking of the in-laws, how they referred to each other as mother and father. (laughs) And also how they had been married for 35 years. And yet they seem so old. Like, did you notice that? They were like, they're super 35 years, mother, father. Y'all have been married for 45 and it's, hey, mf -er. (laughs) 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 So I guess. My terms of endearment. So I guess you do call each other mother and father. It's just. (laughs) (laughs) It's just added words. I don't ever, not the father, just the mother. Um. But man, you guys look fantastic because they're 35 years and geez Louise, they have one foot in the grave. Um, well, they did go through a war. Well, hey, this we is our war. Four years. four years of, yeah. So um, then Timmy going to the store alone just by himself. Yeah. He, he just knows how to do that and is allowed to. Also, him being, she leaves him. She leaves her six-year-old son on Christmas morning alone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just have to go tell this guy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, give him his money. That's what it was. Yeah. I have to go give him his money. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the whole thing, um, I mean, the, the, the ending was, oh, okay. Um, but, you know, it, it works for the movie. The- but, and again, you've known this person for a total maybe a five hours right and and it looks like they're gonna get married i mean you know that's not said they're on a train to california from new york so with no no luggage no nothing yeah yeah okay um okay the train because at first i thought when i'm watching it he wait he how did how did steve get into the apartment to set up the train but then I guess Steve left the train set outside of the door. So he left $800 outside of an apartment door in New York. Did he knock? How did Timmy even know on Christmas to open the door? There was a lot there that I mm, yeah. didn't really make sense to me. Because at first I was like, wait, he this man broke into the house and set up the train? And then it was we like, could. no, he left it outside. <laughs> And who's going to, it's basically like $800 just outside. Okay. Like you, like, you know, that little boy that was when he, when the movie first opens and there's the boy playing, like he wouldn't have stolen that. (laughs) Okay. So those were my bad reheatables. Okay. Positive reheatables. Um, I thought it was a nice apartment. Um, stamps were three cents. Ooh, three cents. Timmy's coonskin cap. That's a, a 50s thing. My brother had a coonskin cap. When Carl realizes he is worthy of someone who loves him back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, others? Um shopping in stores for the holidays yes even even not pandemic time just 
it's I felt like shopping online is cheating unless there's something you really can't find. That's part of buying Christmas gifts is the hunt yeah. or what used to be. Yeah. Um, we threw rocks at girls, LOL. I wrote that. Oh, that, yes. reminded me of, that just reminded me of Adam. <laughs> Throwing rocks at police cars? Yeah, just I felt like he could come home and be like, ah, oh, we threw rocks at girls. It was fun. Yeah, no, yeah. they threw it at police cars. We would really yeah. prefer it to have been girls. <laughs> MPs on post, but um, okay. Don't forget to feed your turtles. Question mark. Oh, oh, yeah. And then we did see the turtles. Okay, I'm just reading what I wrote here under good. Um, the porterhouse steak, because when I don't know what happened. Oh, they ordered the porterhouse steak, maybe. And I took that to mean that they're rich, because when Adam and I ordered the porterhouse steak for two and it was a $140 yeah. steak. That was in Vegas, wasn't it? Si yeah. In Vegas, the size of our table, <laughs> we misheard the price. And this was like before, this was like our second trip to Vegas. I mean, this yeah. was like before we were like spending real money to eat out, you know, like, we yeah, were like, it was early. We were like, we did fun. what? We didn't get it. Well, luckily we didn't get drinks for whatever reason. We were hammered already. Yeah, okay. I think you guys had done the you had done the um the thing. I think. No, I don't know. Maybe we were either hammered already or we were too hungover from the night before. I don't know. Yeah, but we ordered we the porterhouse steak for two because we and everybody in the it was so big that everyone in the restaurant watched it being carried out they were like oh this is the last one we have and if you ever order the last one it was something at a record what they are expensive everything else they have plenty of that made me lol mm -hmm. um lol at the weather conversation about the snow oh when when she's going to make the drinks and the two men yes. are just talking about the weather. That was good. Um, train New Year party. Oh, the train New Year party. That looked like fun. That did look that like did fun. Look like except as long as I don't have to stand backwards. Except now it's, it's, it's what's Ooh. the ventilation like in that? Yeah. <laughs> Six feet. Six feet. Um, that was it. Mine is Carl's patience. I mean, two years. Wow. It could also be a negative reheatable. Carl needs to get a grip. Yeah, but the good reheatable of Carl is that he wasn't, like you said, he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah. He was just yeah. this lawyer. He liked this woman. He was willing to, to be the, you know, the man just to stand up be a father figure father husband and then when he saw the writing on the wall he was just like all right i'm out i'm gonna but he was a divorce attorney and so he had seen a lot of people who thought that they had fallen in love fall oh, yeah. out of love i have and the his quote. point mm -hmm. oh okay okay um eating peanuts outside with your hands just carefree in central park just snapping it and they were just eating after they it was man holiday meals with the family <laughs> just yeah look at they got the old people came over to the house to eat mm. um the the dynamics of 
like step family dynamics of yes. the negotiation of how she was like, how do you feel about Carl? How do you feel about Steve? And, and that kind of thing. Um, when, oh, I already said when, when Carl handles Timmy and how Steve's like, I'm in. Um, <laughs> Connie, she didn't, like, she didn't marry Carl for the two years. It had yes. to, yeah, good for her. You yeah, know, I she agree. and and she was supporting herself and she was supporting Timmy. Um, yeah, so those are my good reheatables. I have another one. She wasn't I like that Connie wasn't Connie, you could tell Connie was smart. She was intelligent. Mm-hmm. She was actually a realist. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that, first of all, that she kept in touch with the her in-laws. Timmy's grand, uh, for, mm-hmm. yeah. paternal grandparents, and they brought the Christmas dinner. Yeah. She could sit down and not do anything. They had it all there ready, and I'll bet nobody complained about how hot it was. No, nobody did. But do you think that they cooked it? <laughs> no, I think that um, some some lovely black people back at their house cooked it. Which... I'll bet it was good. <laughs> it <tasted> delicious. <laughs> we are two quotables. Uh, I have one, and I'm sure Teeny has it. Okay, I got my Okay. I have... When Timmy is so excited about... the, He thinks he's getting the train. And he, she, he's, like, running around the damn house, happy. And she was like, what's gotten into you? And he said, I just feel good. That's all. <laughs> um, I think maybe you said this and we talked about it. My teacher says we shouldn't be afraid to wish for things, even things we don't think we could get in a million years. And I loved when, which I thought was stupid. And <laughs> yeah, Connie said, well, I don't agree with it. If you wish for things you can get, you're going to be happy. If you wish for big things, you'll get big disappointments. And that reminded me when I was in elementary school, the slogan for my school was everybody's a winner. And my dad hated it, mm. hated it. And he, I, from very early age, he would just be like, this is like, everybody is not a winner. Do not believe that. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that. <laughs> um, you are not a winner. We used to say everybody's a wiener. Um, <laughs> Did your dad point out the kids in your class who were like, hey, by the way, Dave, loser. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> sure. That's why uh, we love him. I think this was this dickhead Carl said she always gets moody on holidays. No, that was his father said that oh, about mother, about which that. I thought was a dick because her son died but, in the war. Yeah, and I think he was not really being like moody. He seemed to mean like she gets sad and sentimental. Yeah. But depressed. Yeah. She gets depressed. Her son her is son dead. And also, a lot of father, he's drinking. She was like, father, you've already had four already. And he said, well, you can't. What you don't count won't hurt you. Well, that's <laughs> Ma right there. <laughs> no oh, I got to write that yeah. down first. Because that's, that's uh, all we're going to yeah. hear at Christmas. We're going to be like, Ma, it's noon. You've had four. <laughs> Can't count won't hurt you. 
Um, if you aim higher than your mark, then you've got a better chance of hitting the mark. So if you wish really hard for something, maybe you might get it. Which I thought was a nice sentiment. Still stupid, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing um, about the mark is always, what is it? If you shoot for the stars, you'll hit the moon. If you shoot for the yeah. moon, you'll hit the stars. You know. I never heard that one. My parents weren't big on wishes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so happy if I were a dog, my tail would be wagging. That was mine. I knew you'd have that one. Um, and then, I don't know who said this to who. Well, it was to Connie, I guess. So somebody just straight up said, you don't have a fella anymore, do you? <laughs> and I just wrote burn. <laughs> Sick burn. Uh, that's all. I, I thought this was a very quotable movie. There were, because I have different quotes. Excellent. Um, when Robert Mitchum says, I can't fight a shadow. I tried. Competition's too tough. Because he knew that he, it wasn't Carl he was up against. Mm -mm. Um, okay, so this is the quote that Carl gives. Um, oh, no. Okay, here it is. Connie, I've gotten a lot of divorces for a lot of people, most of whom took one look at each other and said, that's it. Married two days and split up two years later but I've never gotten a divorce for two people that really liked each other. Oh, yeah. I was like, that was a good one. That's so Carl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, the guy from MASH, when he was the police lieutenant, he says, this guy's without a job, gives a Christmas present to a tramp, gets Christmas <laughs> presents from a little girl with a balloon on her head, eats in the park with seals, is mother and father to an orphan squirrel. You don't think this guy's suspicious? <laughs> <laughs> and then probably my favorite is it's when Carl and Steve are awkwardly talking about the weather and they kept going, is that so? Yeah. <laughs> is that so? Okay. LVP. I feel like you're not going to like mine, just the way you guys are talking. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. all right. I already called him a dickwad once, but Carl sucks. <laughs> I have Carl as my LVP as well. Okay, I wrote down, Mary Steve, Carl sucks. Carl, take your hands off my boy. Awkward. That was very awkward for that other guy to be there. Yeah. And I loved when, what's his name? said, Connie, I think Carl's one of the nicest fellas you'll ever meet, but I think you ought to marry me. I just did not like Carl. No. He's a lawyer. I mean, he was a nice guy. He wasn't... I um, guess, but like, get the... Get, she's just not that into you. Right. Yeah. If you want to be friends, great. We can continue this, but stop... Stop pressuring Carl. me to marry you. Like, I don't like you. Right. I'm not gonna have sex with you there's somebody for carl that's gonna exactly that's going to completely love him and she is especially out in 1949 yes he is he is a successful <laughs> lawyer mm -hmm. he might he probably has fallen arches but hey or bone spurs yeah yeah i didn't get the vibe that carl served which nothing wrong with that no. if it if, yeah. if if it was you know legitimate you know I, if, his, if he like weasel his way out of it yeah 
You had Carl also as your LP? Did I did. I had mother and father as my LVP <laughs> because the end of the movie, their grandkid, the son of their deceased son, I, I confused myself, yeah. is now on a train to California. They live in New York. It's 1949. That's not super easy. I would be if I were them, if I were mother and father, I would feel I would feel a kind of way about that. Well, yeah, I live in California, but <laughs> you had 20 good years with me. Like, I, I didn't like peace out. I'm going to California. I'm six. Well, why is that? Why does it make them the LVPs? It makes, it makes Connie and Steve the LVPs. No, because they they lost. Like they're the ones that end up in this situation, and the the whole movie situation, the outcome. Because well, we'll get to who my my real MVP of this is, which will probably put my LVP in better light. Connie is married, is off to California with Steve. They're together. Carl is obviously going to get you know hitched to somebody else who loves them. Mother and father have lost their grandson to uh, across the country. I mean, yes, they probably have the means where they can go, you know, well, visit. Maybe they're moving there. Yeah. yeah, maybe they move there. True, but cool. yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, that would be my LVP. <laughs> <sighs> but I'm living it, so it's okay. Um, my MVP is. Timmy. That's my MVP. I loved him. I felt uh, like uh, I know. Well, well I, wait. Ours are different. The reasons for ours is different. Mine is because I, I felt like he walked that tightrope really well. Of you know, he wasn't quite as obnoxious as Macaulay Culkin. You know, he's adorable, but. He, I, I thought he did an amazing job in the role. I, he didn't, he didn't irritate me. Um, I thought he was really good. I liked him. Great hair. Little Timmy had great hair. So the reason. That's why he's your MVP? No. Well, that's one of them. But the real reason he's my MVP is that if you look at his age, he's moving to California and he's going to be there. Keep in mind. If he doesn't get drafted, he's going to be 25 in 1968. And he's getting to grow up in Southern California, which I forgot to mention, but I looked up Balboa because I'm like, Balboa, California? What is that? It's Balboa Peninsula, which is Newport News, which is in the OC. Yeah. So he's getting, and he's going to be growing up in the in the late fifties, early sixties, car culture, Southern California, surfer dude, surfer with that hair, and yeah. like I say, if he manages to, you know, not get drafted and sent to Vietnam, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's hey. going to be rich and white, so he won't have to go. But that's that, and that's all assuming that this one hundred dollars that Steve has been sending to this guy out in. Balboa to build a boat is on the up and up. Let's just hope that this is one of Steve's war buddies and like it is their bond. Like they went through so much shit together 
that his word is bond and he has been looking out for this guy. Unless it's an account in India somewhere. Hmm. Yes. Oh, and my MVP? Yeah. Uh, my MVP is New York City at Christmas time. Yes. Oh, we won't get to see it this year. No, I get, I'm, I'm missing it. The, I, you know what I love about New York City at Christmas time? I love like how you just walk around and it's cold and maybe there's just a, a flurry of precipitation in the air and it's chilly and you just duck into a bar and you yeah. just have a drink and it warms you right I up. Into a bar. Yeah, oh. and the bar has all the Christmas lights on yeah. it. And yeah. it's and, warm. And even even has the the yucky tinsel, it still is cool because it's in a bar. And then you leave and you and you walk a little bit and then you duck into another bar and you have another drink. Yeah. Mm. Um Yeah. Yeah. Also, have you guys seen the uh, Rockefeller Christmas tree this year? No, I saw yeah, the the, the one in Ohio. <laughs> the um, so the Rockefeller tree was delivered four days ago, and on Instagram they like put up they like posted that the, the tree was put up, and it's a it's a sad. Is it really the one? tree yes it's really the one look at this thing i know it's look aaron wait teeny has to talk so it's big on my screen oh can you see it now look at the branches at the bottom that's look, the real that's, tree that's the real tree and it has over, over five thousand comments <laughs> and people i was just like reading the comments the other day does it have COVID? This tree, lo <laughs> this tree looks like 2020. What the heck? Did you get it on sale? It's very skimpy. This is why we can't have nice things. This Someone is why we can't have nice things. Someone said it looks like Cuomo wants you all to stay inside. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's, it's the tree. Okay. okay. And the, but now, so now it looks so bad that they've had to come out and say like, Hey everybody, the tree is okay. It's just his branches haven't fallen yet. Oh, oh no! Um, but I've heard that. No branches. I've yeah. heard that many times from Ma. <laughs> it's okay. It just needs to come down a bit. It's okay. When, when, yeah. when we're at the at the Christmas thing, and, and you know. My dad's holding it, and she's, and then she looks at the tag. She's like, "No, no." And it's this one. It's got like two branches, and she's, and we're looking, and we're like, "What?" And she's like, "It's gonna come down. It's gonna come down." Because I care about the top. I have to have some little branches. Okay. Oh my god! And then I'm looking at an article about the Rockefeller Christmas tree, because it's been up since 1931. But there's a picture of the Christmas tree. In 1949. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So, but yes, I, yeah, even we were writing our, Adam was, the other day wrote his, he was like, oh, I was riding my bike and the Christmas trees are starting to be on the sidewalks for sale. Well, it's about time for Teeny to put one on her shoulder and bring it home. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was last year. So last year, 
Adam had had <laughs> surgery for a hernia, so he was laid up. And we went to visit, and you know, we're just hanging out. And Christina been at work, and she comes home, and she's got a Christmas. They lived on a what, is it a second floor? She third could, floor. Third, third floor. floor. She's got a Christmas, a huge Christmas. Like it's not a little Christmas tree. It's a huge Christmas tree over her shoulder. She had because mom was coming to visit, so she had three things of Avion because mom only drinks Avion. Like just so many bottles in one arm, and then the coffee in, in her hand of just drinking it. Coffee. Yeah, just. Yeah, she's our teeny. <clears throat> okay, we are to recasting. I'm going to put a disclaimer out there and say I, I didn't put a whole lot of effort into this one. Okay. But I have a... I Don't have worry, a I didn't for mine either. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't, I don't have a Timmy because I don't know, I looked up child... Yeah, I did the same. Child actors, and you, and you, there aren't any. Yeah, I did the same. So my Steve is Daniel Kalu. How do you say his last name? Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I butchered it. I know who you're talking about. Because Steve can't be so gorgeous that as soon as as they met, she was like, you know. I mean, it had to be some of his charisma. So Carl had to be able to be, you know, a, a little annoying. Terrence Howard. <laughs> it's Carl. Come on. It would be so funny because he, he has his tongue, the way he talks and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And my Connie, I had a really hard time with Connie. So I, because she has to be, you know, kind of demure, but still strong, you know, uh, Kiki Palmer. That's good. That's good. I did two yeah. casts. Alrighty. So I did, I guess I'll save that one for that. So my, okay, I did, my first one is a, I gender swapped it. Like you, I didn't, it would be, Timmy would be a daughter, but I, I was like, you know. Because I, at this point, I've seen so many things about child actors that now I kind of have a problem with. I don't necessarily want to cast a kid because then want to promote it. Yeah, yeah like a. Um, so whatever, find that out. So for Carl, I have Janelle Monae. She'd be like lawyer and stuff. You oh know? yeah, yeah. For Connie, because it's different. So this guy, he's a widower, Michael B. Jordan. See, I was, I wanted, but he couldn't be, I mean, if but he's Steve Connie. Be, I know. Cause if I had him for Steve, as soon as she saw him, she'd fall in love with him. So that couldn't happen. Okay. Good. Okay. Because I like it, it, yeah. It's Connie. So he's a it widower. Man alive, you know? Yeah. He's a widower and you know, and so Janelle Monet is, you know, the lawyer and she's mm -hmm. been like two years and, and so, but then for my Steve, because the thing with Steve is that I liked the edge that he had. And that, because it, since it was Robert Mitchum, you know, he's got like kind of that bad boy kind of streak. And so it wasn't necessarily that he's better looking than Carl, even though he is. But you know what I'm saying? Just that like, yeah. oh, it's a mystery, but he's got that charisma. Mm -hmm. We're all watching The Queen's Gambit, correct? Mm-hmm. 
Moses Ingram. She plays her friend. Oh, I love Queen. her. Yep. I thought that she would be a great Steve. She's the friend from the orphanage. And then she gives her... Well, I won't say anything. Yeah. The the friend from the orphanage. Yeah, I'm just... Okay, so my other cast... Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because she's just got charisma. Where you're just, you know... The same thing. We need to see her in a lot more stuff. Yes, exactly. So this, my next recasting is, it's my SNL cast. So for Steve, I have Bill Hader. For Connie, I have Kristen Wiig. For Carl, I have Will Ferrell. Oh, that's a good one. And for Timmy, I have Kate McKinnon. (laughs) Oh my God. That would be so funny. Yep. Uh, I like that. I liked the movie. I thought it was a, it, it wasn't like a, a overly sappy yeah. Christmas movie. I really okay. think that the whole War Widow angle really hurt this film's um, initial release. The, the yeah, people just, the Christmas yeah. Eve release of a Christmas movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, tasty nuggets. And then, you know, after that in the 50s and then in the 60s after Psycho and, you know, Robert Mitchum's been playing all these murdering people, I can see then in the, you know, 1965 people not being super into this holiday movie with these people from these thriller films. Well, the reason that he, they gave, they, they wanted to soften his image after his prison sentence. Mm-hmm. So he he definitely is going against type for this movie. I have Crowley's really was a department store in Detroit. Yes. That's why I was confused. Are we in Detroit or New York City? Okay. RKO, who put this movie out, correct? Mm-hmm. Its owner was Howard, Howard Hughes, Hughes. Who had briefly dated Janet Lee. Oh, he dated he everyone. Said, he said he wanted her to wear sweaters so tight that it made her breasts look like traffic cones. Well, uh, and there you go. Cadillac fronts, as it were. Cadillac fronts. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Because uh, I'm looking at it going, oh, my God, I don't want that either. Um, okay, other tasty nuggets? Um, I forgot to do that not a problem i did it this morning <laughs> not a problem so robert mitchum he was known for film noirs and western and war films um and like you said howard hughes he made sure that robert mitchum took this movie because like you said he needed to uh rehab his image so like nah. um, the marijuana charge yeah Robert Mitchum was known for playing jokes on his castmates. And so that scene where he kissed her, he really kissed her. And so her surprise was for real. Because uh, she uh, was uh, like, what? Uh, that's kind of bad readable. Yeah. Um, it was remade for a TV movie in 1996. Do you know who was in it? Cynthia Gibbs and the guy from JAG, I think. 
Thomas James oh, Elliot. Really? It did smell like, are you kidding me? Lifetime hasn't done this movie yeah. every single year. Or Hallmark. Yeah. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with Hallmark movies. <laughs> a really good one out right now. Royal Holiday. Royal. 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 Go ahead. It lost $300,000, so it wasn't a success at the time, but because of TMC, it has become a minor holiday classic, and maybe after you listen to this, it will be in your rotation. Um, Janet Lee was only 14 years older than Timmy. <laughs> oh. the, the pictures of Timmy as a baby were really the actor as a baby. Oh. Um. This is kind of a nerd alert. Oh, well, the Balboa, I, I mentioned that. It's the peninsula, and it's actually in the neighborhood of Newport Beach in Orange County, California. Um, and the train whistle. Somebody pointed out that the train whistle was for steam and not a diesel horn. <laughs> so. That would not be any of us. That was something I copied down. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, yeah. I I liked it. I did too. I did too. Holiday affair. Who is next week? Is it me? Yeah. Is it me? It's you, okay. Teeny Pimp. Oh, like, yeah. Thought, is it me? Oh, my God. And then I was panicky because I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm is like, it oh me? Oh, God. Do I pause that or we're going to do Elf? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have one. And it is even earlier than this one. Oh, okay. no. I yeah. may also mention that I loved the runtime of this one. Yeah, it was yes, nice. I know. And that came into account when I was picking my new one. Okay. It was between two old holiday movies. This one I've never heard of. Oh, no. Oh, wow. And I've only heard of one of the actors in it, and it's oh. the, the fourth one on the list. The fourth so, one on the list? Is it in the 1930s? It's not. It's 1947. Oh, 1947. Oh, man. Okay. And you've only heard of the four on the list. Yeah, the the main um, characters, I I have never heard of their names. Well, give me the, per the one person that you do know. Gail Storm. Gail Storm? I don't know who Gail Storm is. That name sounds yeah. fake. She had a TV show in the 50s. Gail Storm in 1947? It, mm -hmm. uh, it is set in New York City. So, you know, I'm going with Christine's, you know, MVP, New York City at Christmas time. A runtime of one hour and 56 minutes. Okay, we're just a joke. You're creeping. I know. Because the uh, other one I was looking at was... Over two hours. Dr. Shivago? Teeny's going to be mad when we do that. Yes, How many minutes is that? Uh, that goes How on. How many for days about is that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's there's a lot of snow in it. Um, okay, Erin, you're not going to guess it. I am not. Gail either. Storm? It's got to be something 1947. I, like some, I don't know. Go ahead. Have you ever heard of Charles Ruggles? 
That sounds like a Harry Potter teacher. Yeah, I feel like we did a movie with Charles Ruggles, but maybe not. Vic- Victor Moore? Mm, no. Don DeFore? Mm, man, there's a whole okay, lot so of... This one, so this is like are... three white men in Christmas yeah. in New York? Gil Storm is the white lady. So wow. the name of it is It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Oh, I didn't even check if we can see it. I didn't even <laughs> check where it is. We might be doing something else. Is it? Yeah, is it available to even be 1947? It Happened. I don't know. Oh, I, I, so, I already wrote the title really big on my notebook. Fifth Avenue. Where's Fifth Avenue? It's where? Where is it? In New um, York. In, New York. <laughs> in Manhattan. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it happens on Fifth it Avenue. It says we watch now on YouTube. It. Watch movie. It says it's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. It's on YouTube as well, but that's never. Um, so we might have to do. Turner it's Christmas Club. time. Uh huh. I like the poster for it. It's Direct TV. You can rent it know. from iTunes. It's a it's a comedy. Mm hmm. So we'll see how we'll see whether we think it's a comedy. It's or on, not. yeah, it's on there. It's on there, Ma. There's a dog. There's a man holding a dog. There's a man holding a dog. He looks like Ruggle. So oh, in... it has to do with an industrial tycoon. Each Christmas, an industrial tycoon and his family travel from New York City to Florida. To spend the holiday season in the sun. And while they're gone, a philosophical homeless man takes up residence in the millionaire's Fifth Avenue mansion. Mm. This I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. In reality, so, <laughs> the guy's name, the, the homeless man's name is Mac. That sounds like something Mac would do. And <laughs> <laughs> look totally, totally entitled when the people come back. Yes, this is yes, my, my house. Oh, wow. Room. They live on Fifth Avenue. I'm assuming they live on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, that's where it happened. Yeah, that's where it happened. <laughs> well, okay, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this week's holiday affair. Something you haven't heard of, but something new to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. Put it on while you're making your very small, hopefully in quaint and responsible Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Sounds wonderful. And we hope you enjoy it. Happened on Fifth Avenue. We hope we enjoy it too. It looks like we'll get to have another conversation about how to decorate a tree. Um, I hope oh, so because nice. you know I have a lot of lessons to get. <laughs> As, yeah, there are a lot of do's and don'ts. That's why she has to do it. But sometimes I'm all by myself. But we make you a lot of drinks and we just keep that's because we're in the in the kitchen making your drinks. <laughs> Cause you're just downing them. <laughs> all we hear is this. Uh, what if they can't count it then <laughs> What you don't count won't hurt you. Yeah. Don't count won't hurt you. Take fall face first in that tree putting those freaking lights on okay listen 
We hope you like this. There you go. Mm, there you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.